0: This, uh, this time of year is one of those that I both dread and I look forward to. I dread it because I, I can appear as being on the stage at times as, as I'm giving reports just like that right there. And oh boy, you came out on Sunday morning to hear reports, right? But they're reports with a purpose. And then I get excited about the vision of where we're going. So let me tell you this, this is a seventeen this is our seventeenth meeting like this, what we call a strategy meeting. We're sixteen years old, but we've had seventeen of these. Do the math on that. How does that work out? The very first Sunday we met. We met at 103 Nita Road in Rogers, and about 10 of us were sitting in a living room, and we sat down, and after every, all the worship was done, after all the message was done, after everything was done, we had nothing in place. We had no structure, no system. We had nothing in place to facilitate us as a church, and so we sat down together for about five or ten minutes, and we said, okay, you're going to do this, and you're going to do that, and you're going to do that. Okay, everybody agree? Okay, let's go. And so we became a church on that day. And that was our very first strategy meeting. I literally still have the very first minutes of our notes written out in in, in scribbling of what we decided on that very first day. And on that very first day, when you have nothing and you own nothing and you possess nothing, then what are you doing? Well, what you're doing is you're sitting there with a bunch of nothing, but you're having a vision for everything. And now how do you bridge those two? Prayer. And faith and believing that God has us here, but he's leading us there. And so we got together and we prayed and we spent the next week together in faithful prayer saying, God, would you birth a church in the, that will lead us to this vision? And here we are again, 16 years later. And we are living in that. You're living it. You're part of it to whatever degree you're part of it, you're part of it. And as we have moved from that living room to, uh, I don't know, maybe, uh, I think I counted up nine different locations over the course uh, of our years, from living rooms to hotel conference rooms to, uh, to literally one time we were in a condemned building. Uh, we had our children's ministry in a condemned restaurant in Rogers. And uh, the city owned the building, had taken over the building, but they said we could take our children into the building and go figure that one out. We literally on Wednesday night we go in and set up our, our children's ministry in that building and we offered a pro. We would do anything and everything because we so believed that God was leading us to be a church, to be a church, not just to have church. And I believe. 17 years later, 16 years later, still as a pastor, that I don't think God wants us to just have church exist in a church but he is calling every last one of us to be his church. And if you are ready, and if you are on board with that, then let's do it together. And if you're not, you need to go down the street and find a church that you can just attend. This is a be a part of church. This is joining a movement church. This is going somewhere church. And I am absolutely committed to that. Now, over the course of these years, have we changed? Yeah, we've changed. We've seen a number of things that have changed we've changed in the sense that we used to be portable. We used to look like that. We used to be in all these different locations, but now we're permanent. We have a facility and we have a, we have a building. And you know what? When we started, when we, when we built the first building over there, we built this building. We said, okay, okay. What are we going to do? We're just going to open it one day a week and close it. Let's give it to the community. This year alone, not every year, but this year alone, sometimes we've done more, sometimes we've done less. This year alone, 29 different organizations outside of our church have come in and used our facilities, our campus, in some form or fashion. Whether it's a debate club from a school or it's an art exhibit or it's, a, or it's the ballet or it's an opera or it's whatever, we have just said, listen, community, we want you to know this campus is for you. I have the vision, the dream that we will see this building being used seven days a week. And oh, by the way, we meet here on Sunday. That we would so bless our community. This would be a a noble thing. That we would so bless our community that if Grace Point stopped existing, they'd have to raise the taxes in Bentonville. That we are being such a blessing to organizations, to homes, to families, to, to marriages, to life, that literally the quality of life would not be the same if we were not here. Now, that's not an arrogant statement. That's a vision statement. That's a vision that I hope that we can be that as we put down roots here, as we've settled right here on these grounds, that it is not ending here, but it is going into the community. This year alone, we are helping a church in, in Boston move from portable to permanent encounter church and you all have helped with your with your Christmas offering and you see that on the back of your annual report how we have helped them and we've sent up like four or five teams and we're setting up another team this year and uh, helping this new church get off the ground and it's pretty exciting to see them in this very unchurched area become a permanent structure church the, to be the church in, in the community. So we were once portable, but now we're permanent. But it goes beyond that, that we were once all over the world in missions, and now we're very strategically focused. Okay, when we started the church, we knew, coming back as missionaries from Africa, we knew that we were going to be about the nations, That was who we are. That was what we were going to be about, and we weren't going to back off from that. We had a lot of other churches that would put missions as a department. We wanted missions to run through our church, that the nations would be kind of an afterthought, a secondary budget line item, but we wanted to be at the primary budget line item. So in the very first five years, before we ever had a building, we were in 12 nations. In five years. In fact, if you go out, when you come on the campus and you go off campus, you will see 12 flags flying in the student coffee area. What's all those flags? Are those random flags because all the colors look good? No, those were the 12 nations that we were in before we ever had a facility, before we ever had a campus. We were committed to that. But there was something that happened to me, kind of a little epiphany moment. Whenever one of the, one of the founding members of the church said, came up to me and said, Mike, what's our goal? Just to hit every nation in the world? thought, boy, that's, that's a bucket list item, okay, maybe. What are we about? Are we just going to be globetrotters around the world? Are we going to be focused? Are we going to be strategic? And at that point, we began to take a more strategic narrowing our focus down to some very particular places, some very focused attention. About the time we moved into our first building over here, we began to focus our energies in West Africa, and in West Africa, in this, in this nation-landlocked desert, south of the Sahara Desert country, we started there, and for 10 years, we committed trip after trip, four, five, six trips a year. We would send people over there. Aubrey Barton, one of our church members who grew up as a student, in our, was saved, baptized, and was a part of the Condemned Student Ministry uh, building facility, so she survived it. And she is now living right now in this West African country as one of our missionaries. So I'm going to give you a lot of stories to lay, a lot of history today, so just hang with me on this because these are things that we celebrate. We value it, we celebrate it, so we're celebrating it. So this is a movement of God that we've seen. Now, when we went there, we started out, and we were just a few hundred people meeting, and we were going three or four times a year, and, and as we were going, and we were investing in this one little church in this one little village called K-Village. In this cave village where we would go to, we'd go up and we'd set up camp. We had our little uh, mud hut there with everyone else. We had our little uh, African pot like everyone else. We had our little African kitchen like everyone else. We tried to live as much like this nation's people in the village as we could. And as we were there, we saw in this one cave village over the course of about five or six years, we saw one church born. Now, when we went into this village, there were only about seven men believers. There were no women believers. And it was our teams that were going in time and time and time again, again and after again, uh, uh, that that they were sharing the gospel that we saw our first woman believer, our second woman believer, then our children become believers. And now when we pulled out of K Village, after about six or seven years of being there, going consistently, there's a church of 45 people, baptized believers that are still meeting today and they don't even need us. And we just love that. We love the part of that, that that plays in not only their story, but in our story. But the story isn't in there. We continue to encourage. So the first six years, we go to one village and we see one church born. And so what happens in the next year's? The next years, we start multiplying. We start seeing nationals going out, people that we have been pouring into. They were our translators. They become Muslims becoming believers and believers going out into these villages and to share the gospel. And they go out and they start sharing and they start telling their stories about how they became a a believer. And churches are born. And in a total of 10 or 11 years now, we have seen the gospel presented, and new believers come to faith in Christ, and many of them baptized in 12 villages. Would you give the Lord a round of applause for that? Twelve villages. <laughs> we are going to be about the nations. We're going to be about the nations in South Asia whenever four years ago, Randy joins our pastoral team, and his son was living in in uh, in in, uh, in South Asia as as a missionary there, and we were supporting him through our through our global missions offering, and we were supporting him, and now we're going to go help him, and we've sent village we sent people to this this one community. Eight different teams have gone to this one community to share the gospel. Many of these women that have become believers or many of these women that are are brand new believers or young believers are living and working around the red light district in a very dark area. The beautiful thing is that our teams have gone in and they've made disciples and that's been the goal to make disciples of these women who would go out and make disciples of other women. Now it's, it's, it's so encouraging to know that even when we're not there, these women that were once far from Christ, these women that were once not walking with Christ or didn't even know how to share their faith, they're now the ones that are going into the other places to share the gospel and to make disciples in these other places when we're not even there. And all we do is sit back and watch God at work in them. I want to ask a question. If you have gone to West Africa and you know the nation I'm talking about, or if you've gone to South Asia and you know the nation I'm talking about, would you stand up right now? I want you to stand up if you've been with Lori, okay? Others, others, look around, pop them up, pop up, stand up. I saw, Brock, where you at? I saw you there. Come in. All right. All right. These are our ambassadors. Go and ask them, have you ever seen God at work? Y'all can be seated. These are the people who are going to invest their time, their talents, their treasures to, to go to the nation. What is this thing all about? Because we have one goal in this whole thing, making disciples. This is what, it's what we call this, becoming a fully obedient follow, a multiplier following Christ, following Jesus. That I'm fully, I'm becoming fully, I'm growing in my obedience, but everything uh, uh, that is within me is becoming obedient to Christ. And not only me becoming uh, obedient, but I'm now helping other people to become followers of Christ. I have to ask you the question, are you a disciple of Christ? There's some things that have changed about Grace Point. There's some things that haven't changed. Our vision hasn't changed. We want to be an authentic church for those who have given up on the church but haven't given up on God. We've said that from the beginning. You heard me say that last week, and you heard me say this last week if you were here. Forgive me if, if I repeat myself here because this is so important. We have been about that we want to be a church for those who have left the church, gone away from the church, given up on the church, got mad at the church, got hurt by the church, got abused in the church. We want to be a church of healing and redemption. It's not always going to be easy, but what we have seen over the past two years in the survey that we take every time we offer a North Point New Members class is that 71% of the people who have come to be a part of Grace Point Church have come from a de-churched, unchurched, never-churched background. We have a lot of people in our church that have given up on the church but haven't given up on God. I am so encouraged to see this number because this says that we are making a difference in some people's lives out there that have become disenfranchised with the church. And we want to be about that. That's, our vision hasn't changed. We're going to keep pressing, pressing on in that. Our mission hasn't changed. Our mission hasn't changed. It is, and you all heard this statement before, you know it if you're a Grace Point member or you've heard it in North Point class, say it with me. We have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. Now that was weak sauce, guys. I need better participation than that, all right? So say it. I, the words are on the screen. I mean, come on. If you can read, you can say it. Say it with me. We have a great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission to build a great church for our great God. The word great is all in there. We want that to be descriptive of us, not some mediocre church going to a mediocre job doing mediocre ministry or whatever else. We want to do it great. We want to be all in. We want to do it. We want to have a high commitment level to it, but it's the main two, two main things, the great commandment and the great commission. And in those two statements that Jesus made. In those two statements, you find five tasks. How are we doing? 16 years as the lead pastor, I want to ask, how are we doing? Well, in one of those areas, maybe in the outreach area, if 71% of our people are coming from an unchurched background, then you might say, okay, we might be doing pretty good in that area, but how are we doing in the other areas? I'm glad you asked. Let's talk about worship for a moment. Worship, we have learned probably, Pretty clearly, it's kind of the front door of the church. It's kind of the door that gets you into the car, if you will. In fact, let me, let me just do, do a test. I'm totally doing this off the cuff, so you're going to have to raise your hand, see if this is true. If you came to be came to Grace Point for the very first time, so let's say like this. If you came to Grace Point for the very first time, and the very first time you came, you came and there was a, um, and this was a worship service, okay? The worship service was this right here that's one, or B, you came to Grace Point through a small group, okay? Maybe you're in somebody's home in your neighborhood, and you came through a small group, and you attended a small group, and then you ended up in this room somehow, some way, and you think, I got lost. What am I doing here? Uh, Or number three, you came to Grace Point maybe through a community outreach project that we did in the community, okay? How many of y'all came to Grace Point because there was an outreach in the community, and then therefore you came to Grace Point? Raise your hand. Okay, how many of y'all came to Grace Point for the very first time because you were a part of somebody's small group? Raise your hand. Okay, a little bit more, a few more on that one. How many of y'all, the very first experience you had with Grace Point Church is you walked as scared as you might have been through the front doors of that church and you came on a Sunday morning? Raise your hand. Raise it high. I want anyone to see it. First time you ever came to Grace Point was because you came on a Sunday morning. It's the front door of our church. We realize it's so, so, so important. But if that's the front door or that's the door that gets you into the car, then what's the engine that gets the car moving? That would be discipleship and transformation. Because it's not—it's—it's it's not just one thing to come into this building and just say, "Hey, you know how you know I really enjoyed the worship. The lights were cool, the haze machine, and you know they got guys up here with tats in the band and all, and all that kind of stuff. And so it's a—it's a really cool church. Remember, because you gotta have a tattoo to be cool. So and you you know so you, know, you got all this kind of a paraphernalia, if you will. And so it's a—it's a good worship experience. I hope it is. We're going to put a lot of time and attention into hopefully drawing you in. But at the end of the day, a worship experience may or may not change your life. We've got to see discipleship, mate. We've got to see transformation down deep. The engine that's going to drive the car, that's going to move the church, that's going to move us deeper into life and move us through this life is whenever we have this encounter with Jesus in such a way that it transforms the way we think, the way we value life, the way we process and the purposes that we believe about life and everything about life. Then we have discipleship. Then we have life transformation. So then I ask you the question, how are we doing? How are we doing? If you look at three categories, healthy, are we multiplying healthy believers? Multiplying. You're helping me multiply. We're multiplying, you're multiplying. I'm multiplying. We're all multiplying together. Multiple, remember, remember what a, a fully obedient multiplier following Christ. So that's what a disciple is. And whenever you're reproducing and I'm reproducing and you're making disciples, and I'm then I, I would say that's a healthy church. Or now a well church. A well church is not a healthy church, but it's not a sick church, okay? A well church is a person is a, is a church that's maintaining its own. Okay. It's okay, it's making it, it can it can pay its bills and and you'll see bright spots every now and then. And then there's the sick church. They're declining. They've lost spiritual traction. They're not moving. There's no forward motion. They're actually regressing backwards. Now, here's the thing. Where are we as a church? Where are we as a church? I ask that to new members, older members, to established members, to, uh, to young members, to older members, to, to, from uh, new believers to older believers. I asked pastors and, and support staff. I asked deacons and trustees. I asked small group leaders. I asked people who had left the church, have been gone from the church for a while, and those who were brand new in the church. I asked a bunch of people through an anonymous survey. And you know what they came back and said? We weren't healthy, but we weren't sick. We were somewhere in the middle. Somewhere there, in one category. The area that we are the weakest in is in the area of discipleship and seeing life transformation happen. Full on where my values are changed, my priorities are changed, the purpose in life is defined. Life really takes on a different look. That's where we're not healthy. So I told you we're going to talk about the good. We're also going to talk about the not so good. This is the area that we have as a pastoral team, even as as late as a year ago when I was going into my study sabbatical, I was praying about, God, where where are you leading us? I asked the pastors, pastors, what's the greatest need in in our church? And all of them came, I won't say all of them, but the far majority of them came back and said, we need better discipleship. We need better life transformation." So here's what we're doing. I'm telling you this on the front end of this year as we go into this coming year. We are making it priority number one. How are we doing at seeing lives changed in their values, in their purpose, in their priorities? How are we doing? And we can't know where we're going till we know where we're at. So here's where you come in. Take out your phones. You can do it now, or you can do it later, or you can go online. But there's a little app that we have. If you've got the app, you can go to events and you can go to assess. And there's spiritual assessment where what you'll do is you'll answer some questions. And here's what the questions are. They're not about what you think about Grace Point Church. We're not asking what you think about Grace Point Church. You may not even go to Grace Point Church, okay? In fact, if you don't go to Grace Point Church, we still want you to fill this out. Because this lets us know where northwest Arkansas is. How Healthy are you. Where are you in your walk with God? Where are you in your values and priorities? Where are you in your purpose in life? Where are you? Because if you, we know where you are, then we can now start developing ministries to move in that direction towards a life-transforming kind of ministry. Listen, and we are putting everything under the microscope. We can do big events around here. We can, do, we can do big events, but my, my question is this, do big events create disciples? I can stand up here on the stage Sunday after Sunday and wax eloquently and tell funny stories and, and talk about my, my own failures and, and talk about maybe how you can have, have a better life. But if that doesn't create and make better life for you and make disciples out of you, then I think I've failed miserably. And we can have one weekends and day camp weekends and day camp weeks, and we can do all these great things for our kids and have exciting programs. But if it doesn't create disciples, what are we doing? We've got to get at this, especially when you go to the Great Commission. You think about the time when Jesus calls his disciples together. It's after his death. It's after his burial and resurrection. It's, it's somewhere in that period between the day that he ascended from the gra- uh, excuse me, rose from the grave and before he ascended into heaven. Somewhere in that time period, he met with his disciples multiple times, appearing up to 500 people at one time. So he was physically resurrected from the dead. But there's one time when he met with his disciples on a particular mountain. I want you to find in your Bibles Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is whenever he is with his disciples on this mountain. Now, I have to believe that Jesus was a mountain climbing God. Because when you go to the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 6, 5, 6, 7, excuse me, you'll find that he climbs up a mountain and he starts teaching his disciples. There's another time where Jesus climbs to the top of a mountain and he starts teaching his disciples. This time he's only got 11 disciples because Judas has bailed on him. He starts teaching his disciples and he teaches them from this mountaintop. And what he's going to teach them is a whole thing called the Great Commission. Now, we're not going to talk about the whole Great Commission. We're only going to talk about two Greek words in the Great Commission. And that's the words that we'll talk about right now. Let's look at our Bibles and let's read the passage very carefully here. It would be helpful if I got there myself. Matthew 28. You can scroll in your Bible. Turn to the pages. The last words. In the gospel, he says this, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain. They were in Jerusalem. Now they're going north back up to Galilee area where they all started this whole ministry. To the mountain. Notice he's a mountain climbing God. Now, this mountain, we were recently on the Sea of Galilee doing a tour, a biblical tour, and which is an incredible thing to do is to be able to experience that. I'm doing a tour in the spring with the life of Paul, if you're interested in that. But we were there, and we were down there in this valley, down the, the Sea of Galilee, and looking back up the mountain, the, 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 the tour guide pointed back up there. Her name was Olga. She was from Russia. She was born in Russia, but she's an incredible guide. She pointed back up the mountain. Said, That's where the scholars believe that Jesus delivered the great commandment mission it's on the top of that mountain where you could look down and you could see this galilean valley where you could look down and see the city of tiberius where you could look down over one side and see the night lights from the the city of nazareth and she pointed up there to that mountain that's the mountain he's on to which jesus was uh, had directed them and when they saw that they were worshipped him but some doubted would you would you circle that He's with 11 people, 11 of his disciples, and not all of his disciples are still believing in him. He's even got doubters amongst him. In this room today, there are believers and there are doubters, and I'm okay with both. If you're a doubter, hang out with us a while. Maybe you'll experience Jesus and realize that he can change and transform your life forever and ever. Amen. And Jesus... um, And Jesus came and he said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And he says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And Behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. There's so much in that that I'm not even going to talk about. But here's what I want you to see. Three words. Movement. Jesus calls His disciples to movement. Secondly, He calls them to investment. They need to invest themselves. Thirdly, He calls them to an aim. There was a direction, there was a purpose, there was something they were called to. It's... Call it our MIA. What's our MIA? It's not missioning in action. Our MIA is movement, investment, and aim. And how are we doing in each one of those? What is the movement? What is the investment? And what is the aim? Real quickly here, here's what it is. It's go. Notice the very first words, go therefore and make disciples. That is our Calling by God for movement. Now, now I promise you this. I've looked at the Greek word here. It's not that difficult. The word "go" in English, you know what it, you know what it means in Greek? Go. I can study it six ways to Dallas, okay? And it is still go. It means get up off of your dairy air and do something. It means go. It means move. It doesn't mean stay and set. It doesn't mean set, soak, and sour. It, it, it means to move. There needs to be movement under your feet. In fact, the idea here was to move a considerable distance, to go somewhere. And he even goes on so far as to say, I want you to go to the nations. So he doesn't even have a limit to where you're going to go, but you're going to go to the nations. And it, by the way, it's in a participle form here, so it actually means that, that as you are going, so this is not something that I just sign up for for two weeks, I'm going to go to West Africa or I'm going I'm to go to South Asia. No, this is something I do all the time. Movement. He's calling us to move here. With the last fall, we started a series called The Voices, and just understanding what the voice of God sounds like. And 400 of our people signed up to go through a study called Experiencing God. I can't say that 400 finished it because it's a difficult study. And I won't ask for a show of hands on that one either. But it is a, a tremendous study. And in this study, there's a statement that Henry Blackaby says that haunts me all the time. He says this, you cannot go with God and stay where you are. God's calling some of you right now out of where you're at, out of your comfort zone, out of your complacency, out of your anger, out of your pity, out of of your, your abuse from a past experience in church or a past relationship, and you're just stuck in the mire of it. And let me tell you this, God is calling you to go. He's calling movement, just like he's calling the Peavies and Johnson and. Fenfrocks. And by the way, you remember, he called them to the nations. And these are the families that are, uh, that are connected to loosely or directly connected to our church. The Peaveys aren't connected to our church, but they're connected to Northwest Arkansas. And we're going to partner with them as they go to Southeast Asia and move their family and their young marriage. and They don't have any children. And they're going to move there themselves. And they're going to live there. And then we've got Miss Johnson who grew up. And I'll tell you more about her in our church and how she's going to South Asia. And we got the finfrocks who you heard just a few weeks ago on the stage. And how he was on our pastoral team. And how they're living in the third fastest growing Arab city. And they're there to share the gospel of Christ. This is incredible what, what these people are doing. And we get to be a part of it. They're going and we get to be a part of it because we get to help them go. It was two years ago on this stage whenever 14 people lined up on this stage and Jared stood here and and as Jared, uh, who was a pastor of our church for about 10 years, Jared and Katie and his wife, and they take 14 people and they launch into the narrative church, which is just down the street. Listen, here's one thing about Grace Point. If you haven't figured it out, we're okay with going. In fact, if you're not going, you need to get going. Whatever going looks like, if it's across the street or around the world, we've got to be in movement. But movement alone is not anything. Sideways energy is not what we're looking for. It's movement and an investment. That's what he said. He said make, get your hands into the mix, make something. We'll talk about what that making is in a moment, but just realize this I can't stay where I am and go with God. I've got to invest myself. Invest myself in the story. Invest myself in God's redemption plan. Re- invest myself in other people's life, not invest myself in programs. Not invest myself in events, which I'm afraid, and here's a confession to you as a pastor we've offered you lots of events, we're done. We're offering you, moving forward, an opportunity to invest and make disciples. If you look at our church, we have 950 covenant members. That's not just that's not even including the attenders. That's just covenant members in our church. It takes every week 285 volunteers to function as a church, whether it's Wednesday night or Sunday morning, and all of that, all in, we need everyone. And I mentioned just last week that there are 64 vacancies right now. We have 950 people. We have two hundred eighty. Five positions and we have 64 vacancies. Now, here's the good thing about last week is Memorial Day weekend. I shared this, and all of a sudden, 28 people stepped up to the plate and said, I'm in. Count me in. I'm ready to invest in the next generation. Now, turn to the person next to you, give them a high five right now, okay? So you're a part of a great church. All right. That was pretty weak too. All right, we'll keep working on this. This is interactive today. Here, I, I say that for two, 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 for, for two fronts. One, as I want you to hear, there's a tremendous need. There's a tremendous responsibility. This is the next generation, okay? Mind you, in the very last gathering, our first gathering today, Tom Jones sat right back over there. He was my junior in high school Sunday school teacher. And I'm now teaching him as his pastor. Thank God that Tom Jones and Kathy Jones invested themselves in the students of the church that I was a part of when I was growing up, that I could stand on the stage today and hopefully invest in somebody else's life or be in somebody else's life, not just on the stage, but just be in somebody else's life to make a difference. in somebody. Thank God for people that invested in me. And thank God that there are people investing in your children. Who's going to be the ones that are going to step up and fill those other vacancies today? Here's an opportunity for you to get in the game. I'm not twisting arms. God's not calling you. Don't do it. But we have all got to realize we've got to go movement, make investment. We've got to put our hands in the mix. We've got to put our hands in people's lives. Let me tell you about Miss Johnson. i got to tell you, i got to call her by Miss Johnson. Hopefully I don't mess up and call her by her real name um, because it's a real security issue. She just graduated from college, U of A. She's going to a place in Asia where it's illegal to share the gospel. She's moving there, but before you go too fast there, you've got to go back 10 years ago to 2007 Easter Sunday. Noel and Andy come in with their four kids in tow they come into church. They sit down. This is their second worship service on that day, by the way, because they had got up that morning and gone to an earlier service at another church, and it was so dead there. She said, we are not going to this church. We are on Easter Sunday. Resurrection happened. Life happens. We are going to go to a church where there's life. And so that's what they did. They came to Grace Point Church, and they've never gone anywhere else. And so Noel and Andy take their four kids that they're trying to raise up in the, in the Lord, and they bring them, and they... Uh, invest themselves they invest their children into student ministry let's just talk about miss johnson here the, the oldest of them she comes in she's 11 years old she first off that summer goes to day camp adventure point day camp we've offered adventure point day camp in some form or fashion for the past 14 of the 16 years that we've existed she goes to Adventure Point Day Camp. Her faith gets a little deeper. She comes home and she gets her faith a little bit deeper. The there. Then she goes in the student ministry. And who's there to greet her? But Wade and Brooke Bryant who start pouring into her. Who, who Who's after that? All of a sudden she's becoming, growing up in her faith a little bit more and more. And then there's Laura McCuller who now invests her life for all of the years that she was in high school. She had one small group teacher who walked with her all the way through. I know she had other people investing in her, but there was one that she said, Laurel, she was the one who made a huge difference. Laurel, you're right there. Good job. Made a big difference in Ms. Johnson's life. She goes off to college. Well, before she goes off to college, she grows in her faith enough that she becomes a Timothy team leader of our, of our student ministry, Comes a part of our student ministry, which is kind of raising up leaders in their faith and their life for, for tomorrow, and she becomes a leader in that ministry. And then she goes on on and she becomes an intern in our church. And then, and then she goes on and she goes to college and she has a kind of a crisis of belief where she begins to lose her faith. Some of y'all have been there. Some of y'all are there. But in that moment, she kind of runs into Anne Lorenz. And Anne begins to invest in her as she starts this student ministry for girls. And now, uh, all of a sudden, you have Miss Johnson being poured into by women, uh, woman after woman after woman, person after person in Grace Point Church. And now she's going to live in the Southeast Asia country, and we are supporting her as she goes. Listen, our investment in people's lives makes a difference. I had to tell you that because 10 years ago, When her kids, when she was 11 years old, who would have known that she'd be going to Southeast Asia today? But I love it because what happens when we see discipleship and transformation, values, priorities, purpose, meaning, and life begin to change. But what we're going to have to do is understand there's movement. It's not static. There's movement. There's also investment. I'm getting in. I'm making something here. I'm making disciples. I'm putting my hands in the mix. And when you're going to do that, you're going to have to step outside of your comfort zone. So let me challenge you this afternoon. I'm going to put a little carrot in front of you. Here's the challenge. This afternoon during our strategy meeting, you will meet just one family that you've never met before. You'll go out of your way. You'll invest yourself in them. You'll move, go. You will make, you'll make a friend. You'll make a relationship. You'll make a connection. You'll, you'll connect with somebody and just see what God does in that relationship. But there's an aim. It's not just to make busyness. It's to make disciples. Go and make disciples. And when we do that, I can't say that. I've said it 15 times, and I don't know if you've caught it once. When we make disciples, there's a values in life change. There's a purpose in life developed. There's a priorities that are revolutionized. When we are making disciples as Grace Point Church, that's what happens. Values, purpose, priorities, everything gets changed all eternity yes it gets changed heaven yes it gets changed but in this nasty now and now in which we live we have greater value on life we have greater purpose in life we have greater we have greater priorities in making decisions about life because we're becoming fully obedient multipliers not just for ourselves following christ is that you I want to introduce you to three people in our church, and there's more, but I just want to introduce you to three, and I want you to listen for this. Where did their values change? Where did their purpose become clear? Where did their priorities get rearranged? How did that happen? What did God do? And how can I be a part of going and making disciples? Watch this story.
1: my self-worth was completely driven by what I did what I accomplished within my job and what I could show materially for myself
2: I continued on in my destructive ways and toxic relationships and um, I felt empty I felt alone and there was no one I trusted
3: it's just a miracle that I'm not dead or in prison or living on Skid Row. And how I'm, how I'm here today telling this story is, is just a testimony to God.
2: My name is Patty.
3: My name is Mike. My name is Jay Jones. And, and this, this is, is my story. story. Me and my dad went fishing together a lot. And I was probably the only one in my family who really loved to fish. So I was with him fishing every chance I got. When I was 13 years old, My father died of cancer. That pretty much started my road to ruin. So my high school years through my early adult years was pretty much just a party every day. A lot of alcohol, a lot of me breaking the law all the time, doing things I shouldn't, just being hoodlums.
2: Early in my life, Uh, my parents divorced and um, from that point on I turned away from God. I tried to control my life and the more I tried to control my life the more out of control it became. My lifestyle was filled with toxic relationships and you know bad choices. I flunked out of college, um, dropped out of business school, had a failed first marriage and it just kept spiraling from there. I was thinking about myself And in the process, I hurt a lot of people.
1: I learned to fear God at an early age. I knew that Jesus loved me, but I felt that uh, God judged me. As I grew into my later teens and early 20s, I felt like I could never live up to what I was supposed to do according to uh, the Bible as I knew it. I began to choose the other path and live for myself. It was that course that I followed for years uh, to the point that I was married and had a child. It was a couple of years into that that I was divorced. I left my first wife and my child and, and began pursuing the things that I wanted to pursue. Not long after that that I met uh, my wife now, as my career grew, my family grew apart. I became so involved in my own self-worth regarding material things and self-gratification that my second family was about to break apart
3: because of my my ways. I got married when I was 26 we had fallen in love at first sight and she straightened me out a lot but without God in my life it it was just kinda like an empty marriage it wasn't long before I slipped back into my old habits and eventually it led to her leaving me. Moving out was for the first two or three years was the loneliest, most depressing time of my life. And I really got back into drinking every day, all day. So in mid-March of 2010, it was a rainy night, kind of a dark night. I had known that I need to quit doing a lot of the things I do and get into shape or I know I'm just going to die. And for some reason that night, I I just know the hand of God guided me into CrossFit.
2: You would think that um, getting a divorce at the age of 26, that I would learn from it, but I didn't. I continued with toxic relationships. I had no one that I could trust. I felt empty. I felt alone. I was going nowhere. Uh, I had no direction, and I don't know why, but I was led to go back to school and get my degree in special education. And at the time, um, I met my now husband of 33 years, David. David and I could probably count on one hand um, in 33 years the the, uh, arguments that we've had. Even with that, even though our relationship is strong and has been, we were still missing something.
1: I was out driving my car, uh, going to a sales meeting, when all of a sudden Jesus interrupted my life. I just felt my heart begin to break. I told my wife for the first time in in many, many months, the next day that I loved her. And sort of our last ditch effort,
3: we began to seek out a church. Being in CrossFit for the first time put me around good people who were good in my life, who cared more about me then one morning after a Sunday workout, one of our members invited me to church. He said, hey, see you at church about 1045. And for some reason that morning I went home, and I don't know why, I just started getting ready for church.
2: I found a book I had put on the shelf 10 years or so ago. Was, the book was A Purpose Driven Life. And I know God began to speak to me there, and I started to see, began to see what maybe that void, what we were missing in our life. We needed a church family. I needed a relationship with God. I needed a personal relationship with God. I needed to know Him.
1: We had seen Grace Point Church as we drove on the highway, so we said, let's try it. From the beginning, there was something that struck us. We both felt love in a room for the first time. Each lesson seemed to be talking specifically to us. We began to see that there was truly hope and we could rejoice in that.
2: My son Adam was doing CrossFit with Mike McDaniel. He came home and we had some conversations and he suggested that I come to Grace Point.
3: And it took a lot of courage for me to walk in those doors. But once I was in here and the service started, for the first time in my life, I felt God inside of me and I felt him in here.
1: Melanie and I were lost and and broken people uh, before we met Christ. He reached out to heal us. And our marriage has
3: completely shifted. After all of that, I was was still addicted to alcohol. And one day, I, I just got the feeling, it's just time. It's just time to quit. And it's been over six months since I've had any alcohol.
2: Now that I have found this relationship with God, and i'm growing in this relationship with god i want to know what more what other purpose what what else does he want to do through me in my life but i also want to share that love share his love with others i want to pass it on
3: so being a follower of jesus it's just it just changed my life dramatically and it's just given me a whole new outlook on life that i want to spend the rest of my life following Jesus, teaching people about Jesus. And I went on my first mission trip in June of 2016. And I'll be going on my next one in October of this year. Being at Grace Point has just been the biggest blessing in my life. Without Grace Point, I I don't know where I'd be right now. So I'm still a businessman, but
1: the way I've changed from the way I was before was that's not what identifies me anymore. What identifies me is my life and my relationship with Jesus Christ, the way that I can contribute to a community around me and a body of believers that I'm in, I prioritize where God's gonna lead me next.